this week. It started uh, this morning. Believe it or not, we have three weeks until Advent, which means seven weeks until Christmas. And that reminds me, deacons and deaconesses, we have a meeting uh, after uh, church this morning, where in part we will uh, we will we will take a look at Christmas and what that may mean for us as a church, what we're going to uh, do, and some of my thoughts. Because believe it or not, I have been thinking of Christmas uh, and what maybe the Lord is going to have us do for that. So we're just going to be on a short three-week series on Romans chapter 12. So, you know, this week, first two verses, next week through verse 8, and then uh, the week after that, or, yeah, the week after that, we will be in 9 through 21. So just uh, brief as we look at this great chapter, but I must admit, it's really hard to just preach one chapter of this book because so much depends on everything else that has been said. You know, that's why we have words like uh, therefore, and as I maybe have told you, anytime in scripture you read the word therefore, God asks the question, what is it there for? Because there's a reason why. You know, there's a reason Paul would use that word. You know, and, and unlike what we do in modern day church, when this was first given to the believers in Rome, as we believe it was given, it would have been read in, uh, in its entirety to them. Maybe there would have been some comments made, but it was read at one time. And so many times that's not how we interact with Scripture, and, and that's okay. You know, we, we don't have the... Uh, gift of the fact that, you know, Paul knew these people. They knew, as Paul would say, or even to hear the words that are said with the rhythm, the rhyme, the alliterations that sometimes happen. But we read, we would have read it all at one. And so I want to just challenge us, though, as we do this series. I'm just going to challenge us with this question, and it's Definitely the question for today, maybe the question of the whole uh, series is, what do you see? What do you see? And the practice, just think in your head, maybe make some notes. What do you see with this picture? Rainbow, who said that? Oh, okay. Lake. Lake. Where? Is in on the, the picture. It's in the bottom left corner. Bottom left corner, okay? Alright? What do you see? Trees. Houses. Houses. A picture from the condo. Yes, he knows exactly where this was taken, but it took him a while. I knew it. You knew it, man. There's many things you can see here. This is one of my favorite pictures. It was taken over, uh, you know, uh, Memorial Day. Eliana, Eliana and I were up north of uh, one of his, one of my favorite spots, and and we saw we saw this with our own eyes. And I will tell you, uh, the picture you're looking at doesn't do justice. Those of you watching this online, you get a better glimpse of the peaks the purples interchanging with the blue 
that is there. Maybe you on the screen over here see that. Yeah, you guys see it a little better than those of us here. But you know, rainbows only happen what? And when? After a rain, a storm. I can tell you, I was just in this same spot uh, yesterday, and I almost uh, put this, or not yesterday, the day before, and I can tell you there is no longer any green where the green uh, lily pads, which are what those are, you may not know that, but that's what they are. There's no life really there. There's a bunch of ducks there. And, and one of the great things I love about are the ducks is uh, there is one duck. I wish I could find out which one it is because I want to name it. I'm, I'm assuming it's a male. Uh, but you know, as I did some research, I guess it's the female that makes some of the great calls uh, when it comes to ducks. Uh, there are times right on cue, the duck will not do the quack call, but will do almost what I call a laughter call, where it goes, ha, 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 ha. You find that funny, Jordan? Have you heard that before? You what? Just now. Just now. It's beautiful because there's been times that, uh, you know, I'm on the phone with somebody and it's as if they hear the conversation and laughing at what I just heard. And I don't have to laugh because it did it for me. And then I can also play ignorance. It's a beautiful thing. Why do you get to know this stuff? Sue Clutter would know. Okay. She's a bird person. All right? I would love. But but here's the point. If you're not careful, you do not see what it may be right there. What do you see? Is the question because Paul will start. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view or by looking at the mercies of God, now something must happen. Do you view God's mercies? Do you even see what is right there? The thing with that picture I just showed you is the fact that Eliana and I could have missed it. Back if we were just on the other side of the, our place up there, we would have missed it if we would have been looking the wrong way. Or if she would have been needing what her favorite meal of the day, which is a wrap made to specific orders in a very specific way. For instance, you must start with a half of a thing of tortilla. These are her, this is her recipe. A half of a tortilla, because she can't handle a full one. Um, you do a half of a tortilla, then you can put mayonnaise on it, then you can put ketchup on it, and then you must put Chick-fil-A sauce on it. Emphasis on the Chick-fil-A sauce. And then you can put the meat on there. And then you must sprinkle a little bit of shredded cheese. And then you wrap it up. You put it on a small plate. And you let her know it's done. If you do anything else, you are wrong. And you run the risk of having to eat that wrap yourself. She eats many of these. Those of you with parents know that sometimes you go with whatever they're going to eat. You know? It's just a little bit easier sometimes. We could have been somewhere else where we would have missed it. And to some extent, that is what Paul is trying to urge us here. Asking us, what do we see when we look all around 
because there are a couple of things that are true. Change will happen all around us. One of my favorite books on change is Change is Like a Slinky. Anybody have a slinky that is actually workable in your house? My husband's like, I got a slinky, but it's probably all twisted up, isn't it? That's how my slinkies go to. Don't worry, you know? But if we were going to take these stairs over here to my uh, right or left, it goes downstairs. And, and the premise of the book is change is like a slinky. We can start it. But I've never been successful in telling the slinky exactly how to go down the stairs. It finds its own path. Change will happen. And you stand still, it will still happen. And some of you are struggling with the fact that life has changed. You have tried to stay put, you have tried to stand firm, but life changes all around us. Many of us were happy about a change that just happened this morning with an extra hour of sleep. We didn't do anything to cause that, per se. It happened. Even though at 2 o'clock in the morning, which is the official time, someone decided that it changes back, most of us were probably not awake. Some of you may have been. I was not for once or twice. I was fully enjoying extra hour. See. Change will happen whether you like it or not. And not all change is good, not all change is bad. However, there is hope according to Romans 12, 1 and 2. He doesn't talk about just change happening. He uses a different word. He uses it basically kind of twice. And he, he uses the word transformation. Because transformation is a choice about how we change. Change will happen, but not all will be transformed. That is a choice that you and I must make. And Paul is saying, if you view God's mercy, if you understand who God is, you're not just changing, you are transforming. I should have put up there, transformation is always a good thing. I've now been here about seven years. One of the words that we could use in the past seven years for our time together as a church, Lord willing, we have more than seven years yet to go, is a transformation process. Change had happened prior to my coming. To some extent, of no choice in this church. Pastor Jim decided to retire. And uh, he turns 80 next, uh, next month, you know, as well as some of the other 80-year-olds. You know, and he decided it was time to retire. And then you had a little bit of a choice in the change when you asked Pastor Paul to come back and beat the inward. But I also know the process well enough to know that, uh, you know, there's not a whole lot of people doing interim work. And so you got a good one in Pastor Paul, but you didn't get to kind of necessarily choose everything he did as he was intentional. And then you had a choice when you decided on a November, I believe it was the second Sunday in November of 2015, when I came around with my family, and you had a choice. But let's be honest, none of us knew of the transformation that was going to happen seven years. Ah, oh, man, I, I didn't know the transformation. I had 
had some ideas. I did the light transformation. I did the light change on leadership skills. I, I'm one of those where uh, as long as we're moving, I typically feel like we're moving towards what God wants. Even if you say, well, what are we moving to? I'm, I don't know. We're just going. You know? As, uh, you know, I think I said in one of my first messages, would, would the community of St. Paris know if NBC St. Paris ceased to exist in 2016? Not that the people would exist, but we as a church would exist. And, and when I first got here, the answer may have been, actually, they may not have noticed much. And we started a transformation process. Whether we called it by that, we did not. But we started. And transformation is always a process. You don't just start... And, and all of a sudden, you're where you want to go. We've had a lot of transforming in the past couple years. I use it because we also had a choice those past couple of years. Even though everything was changing around us, we still had a choice. And Paul deliberately says, because of how you see God, you have a choice to be transformed when you offer yourself up food. But it doesn't start with us offering. It starts with what he says is God's mercies. Have you seen the mercies of God yet in your life? What do you see in regards to God's mercies? So we can get so caught up on seeing other things that we forget God's mercies and how they can be there if we choose to see it. Eliana, Eliana and I saw that rainbow, but we also had to be intentional about looking for the rainbow after the storm. We have to be intentional by what we see. And, and, and there's debate within scholarly uh, people that are way smarter than I am on what does Paul mean by in view of God's mercies? Does he mean chapters 9 through 11? Does he mean chapters 5 through 9? Does he mean the whole book? Does it mean something else? And I, I, this is just where I stand. All of the above. I don't think it's just limited to just what Paul was saying, though. I think in the context, there's some good arguments one way or the other. But have you seen the mercies of God? That's why Paul starts the whole book in Romans 1, where he says, that uh, what can be known about God is plain to see. Because God has made it plain to see. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his internal power, and his divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made. What do you see? Do you see all the awful that is around us? There is lots there. Or do you see the fact that there may be someone behind that awfulness, that pain, that trouble, that gives you a spark of hope? Someone who can redeem all those things. Or do you just see those things? The pain. And some have been through tremendous pain. I don't mean to minimize that. We must, sometimes we see things because of our pain. 
but our pain is not forgiveness. And if we can see God's mercy, we're on a path of transformation where God can redeem all things, Paul says, for the glory of God and for our good in some way. But in order to do that, this transformation process means we must submit to Jesus. We can't do it on our own. He says, be a, a sacrifice. Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Actually, the way maybe to look at this is offer yourself as a sacrifice which is living, holy, and pleasing to God. God doesn't want a dead sacrifice from us anymore. That's not the point. Because if you are in Christ, you are a new life. You want to be holy and pleasing to God. If that is your goal, if you want to be holy and pleasing to God, you have to bring yourself to Him as a living individual. Say, so I don't feel much life in me anymore. Maybe life has been beaten down in you or beaten out of you. The beauty of what Paul has been saying, the beauty of God's mercies is when you do not have life, He still has life. As Eliana and I had a conversation the other week, she said, I know who Jesus is. I'm, Jesus is the way, the truth, and what? Life. Life begins, it sustains, and ends with him. We submit to him. But not only do we submit, we don't just submit and kind of check out. We must integrate body and mind. See, our faith is not just a blind faith where if a blind faith is I'm going to step out of here and I hope something catches me and I don't break a bone. Aubrey, you look like that would be really dumb for me to do. Would it? You could say yes, okay. You know, it would be. That's blind faith. But Paul doesn't say just check your brain out the door. He also doesn't say you get to segregate life into certain areas. You don't get to compartmentalize things. He said, bring your whole self to this altar. Integrate it all. Life is not just coming, our faith is not just coming to church on Sunday and trying to find a list of rules we can follow and then go and do whatever we want on Monday and Saturday. It must be integrated. It must be. And he goes on to say, he says, uh, you know, this is your living sacrifice holy. This is your true and proper worship according to the United But what, it, what it's saying there is it uses the word that talks about rational. It is your mental part of worship or logical. Our faith isn't just a spiritual exercise. It is also a mental exercise. Because how and what we think is important. And Paul, in the book of Romans, some would say, and I would agree, is probably one of the hardest books to understand mentally because there's a whole lot there. It is a beautiful book, but you are going to have to think. And maybe we need to regain this sense of thinking again, of thinking about who we say Jesus is, and not just blindly kind of following, but going, what is it really saying? Integrating our brains back into our Christian faith. And integrating 
how we live with how we think. What do you see? Do you see a Jesus that just cares about the spiritual or the mental? Or a Jesus who cares about all of a person? See, sometimes I think, and I, and I, and I thought of this uh, this week as I was preparing, sometimes we go, love the Lord your God with your heart, soul, mind, strength, and we, we try to parse out, well, how am I thinking? I'm thinking with, I'm loving pretty well mentally. I think pretty good about Jesus. Physically, well, not so much. I'm not where I am. And we start to do the, the process of kind of compartmentalizing. Well, if I'm good over here, maybe in the physical, and I'm not as good as the mental, then they kind of balance each other out. Why? A scale. And as long as the scales point more towards loving God, I'm okay. And I think what we will see is Jesus never played the scale game. It wasn't a matter of how well you were or were not. Because if that's the case, we're all messed up. And we're all doomed. If it's a matter, matter of how well I am or you are, we are messed up and there is no hope. What, what Paul is saying here, if you want to be transformed, if you want to go on this process, you must submit it all. Because when you are found fully and only in Christ, there is our hope and our life. You know, what struggles with this is that if we're not careful, we can see the path of transformation as a path that makes us better instead of a path that leads to grace and growth. See, sometimes we don't maybe necessarily like this, but we'd rather just have a list of things to do or not to do. I mean, Maya, wouldn't that be easier if you just had a list of what it what what God specifically wanted you to do just today. And you could just check it off. Wouldn't that be easy? But you wouldn't have to think, would you? Wouldn't that be beautiful if you didn't have to think some days? Exactly, God. He knows it. But you know what? That's okay for babies to not have to think. But the scripture says we must persevere all on to maturity. Which means in this transformation process, there will be times in this journey that we will struggle with things like, do I require everybody to do this? Is, is this a legalistic, a law that is put down in writing so we all have that same standard? Or we may have to so where is the grace and mercy of God? Because he goes on to say, then you will be able to know the will of God, which is always good, which is always pleasing to him and ought to be pleasing to his people, and is always perfect. Now, word of caveat, or disclaimer, or a word of warning. Don't claim Something to be the will of God if you have not looked into the word of God to determine what he says about it. And sometimes we check our brains at the door and we just say, I prayed about it and God's will for my life is this. When if we would open up his word, we would realize that's not what he says. But at the same time, sometimes we can get so caught up 
trying to decipher the specific way that we forget that Jesus is the way. It's about a lifestyle. Transformation truly never ends. That's why one of the questions I ask every year for myself, for our church, is now what? Now what? Because I know uh, part of that's my personality, one of the things that makes me just odd and weird is, is I'm always kind of looking ahead. Now what? Because see, if we're not careful, if I get too, too focused on just today, and I don't see the mercy of the God that may be there for tomorrow, we will stop the transformation process. We will get content. And part of that, as I see in Scripture, is, is the Israelites, they got into the promised land, and they realized that it was good enough, but they never actually did the full process of transforming themselves. And we read over and over where they didn't get rid of the Canaanites, Parasites, Termites, Ananites, you know, all those things. Do what? All the ites, Malachites, Amorites, you know. They would have just gotten rid of the Termites and the Parasites. It would have been good. It didn't happen. All right? They stopped. And that became their struggle later on. So when we say, now what? We see God's mercies again and again, but we go, because of the mercy of God, I can continue on with what will happen next. So I ask you, what do you see? We're coming to a time of, of communion in just a few very short moments, hopefully. What do you see with this? You know, what, what, what do you see about how we do this? You know, uh, the fact that we in many other churches, we, we put a tablecloth over the elements to begin with. Not sure why. I don't know if any of us really know why. It's just what we do. Not bad. You know, that's what we do. You know, do you, do you get caught up on that? Do you get caught up on the fact that is it, is it a, a literal meaning that Jesus did or is it a symbol? And why do we use grape juice and not something else? Or those of you watching online, you get to choose, you know, what you use. Maybe cracker. We use, you know, a certain type of bread that's made, you know. Um, but some might use a cracker. Some use others. What do you see with it? Do you see the mercy of God? Or do you just see a ritual that happens in churches like ours once a month? Is there more to that? Do you see as some of our kids their first encounter with communion is at least we get a snack after that preacher guy talks for a long period of time? I, I was there. Alright, I did it. I'm going to stand at this point in time and probably where we're all going. Why do you think I have water and coffee here? It's my snack. All right? What do you, do you just see that? Do you see this as something that can help you realize the whole world? What do you see? Do you see it as something that someone else might need but not you? 
you see a diametrical plane of stables for any and all, and you see it as completely exclusive. That's how we see things determine how we will live out. Which you see as uh, our speaker at an annual gathering just about a month ago challenged those of us who were there that uh, evening that someone else may be unworthy of this because of something they have done. Because of the pain they have caused. Do you see this maybe also though as God's way of saying the evil, the suffering, the pain, the trauma, the abuse, the terrible things of the world are starting to be transformed into a place of hope, of healing, of love, of grace. What do you see? <laughs>